Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just so thankful this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And, uh, oh, I'm so grateful today. I love him. How about you? Amen. Amen. You know, I, I <clears throat> was praying yesterday, and I got down before the Lord in prayer in the early afternoon and, and just seeking the Lord. And then he just began to bring a, a thought to my mind and my heart and my spirit. And I even came down and I put a bunch of notes together and everything, but as I was seeking the Lord this morning in prayer before the service, I just felt God tell me, I want you to preach that thought, but I want you just to step away from your notes for just this morning. You've studied it, you've, 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 but it's here. Amen. And so I, he said, I don't want you to lean upon that. You know, and so I said, Lord, you're asking me to do something that's very difficult for me because, you know, that's my security blanket there to stay where I need to stay. And but 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 the Lord spoke to me and I feel it right now. I feel him just just confirming in, in my spirit right now what he wants me to do. And so I'm going to do that. It's not that I'm going to preach another message. I'm preaching the same one that I put together. But the Lord's just wanting me to step away and be fluid and be at liberty, and just let him flow through me, and he does. He does even when I preach with my notes, but I'm just going to attempt to do what I, you know, what is out of my comfort zone, amen? There's a lot of things that we've done that have been hard and out of our comfort zone, but God wants us to, to dwell in that place, amen? And so this morning in John chapter 1, starting with verse 42, the Bible says, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip and said unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was uh, of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael. And said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said unto him, Come and see. That's really the title of my message this morning, Come. And see, we're going to end there, uh, come to the arrival of that. But in verse 47, it says, And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me, or how do you know me? 
And he said, before that Philip called thee, when you were under that fig tree, I saw you. Amen. How many knows that we need to hear a prophetic word? Amen. We need to hear a prophetic word. We need to know that God knows where we're at. <laughs> he knows where we're living. He knows where we're at. He knows what we need. Amen. And he goes on to say, and Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, believest thou? He said, You shall see greater things than these. God wants you and I to know today that we shall see greater things than we've ever seen before. He wants to show us and reveal to us greater things. We will experience greater things in Jesus' name. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you today and I pray, Lord, that you'll help me. Lord, we've done worship. We've worshiped you and we've praised you. Lord, we've taken up an offering. We've worshiped you in our giving and now we've come to open up the word of God and to hear what you have to say. And Lord, it's an encouraging word, oh, today. And I am asking you, God, as I stand behind this sacred desk that you will anoint me with fresh oil, God. That your spirit will rest upon me and that you will flow through me. I submit myself unto you today and I pray, Lord, that you will have your way that you will surface every thought, everything, God, every word, God, everything that you would have me to say. You would begin to speak through me, God, and minister to this congregation and we'll give you all of the glory. God, we praise you today because you're the God of greater things. We praise you today because you're the God of prophecy, Lord, and you speak prophetically unto us and you give us encouragement through that prophetic word and I pray today for an anointing God that breaks every yoke and that encourages the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and pray your blessing over this word. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. And everyone in the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. You know, I'm just sitting here reading this and something came over me in prayer yesterday. God said, there's people sitting under the fig tree like Nathaniel. They're sitting there under that fig tree and it's not that they're not believers. It's not that they aren't even studying the word of God or seeking God. But he said, I'm trying to bring them to a greater place of revelation and understanding and experience in God like they've never had before. Amen? That is what God has set out to do this morning through this message. I was reading this yesterday, and this morning, God said, I want you to start at the end and work your way back. Because until we understand what God wants to do, we'll never come and see. Amen? We must come and see in faith. Now, Nathaniel, if you start here at the end, Jesus answered, 
answered and said, You know, I saw you under that fig tree. You are an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. And he said unto him, You're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? You're going to see greater things than this. The end is always contained in the beginning, and the beginning is always contained in the end. I was thinking about it this morning, and God said the very thing that Adam and Eve had that they could have partaken of, but they did not, was the tree of life. Amen. God never told them they could not partake of the tree of life. He told them not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were two trees that were specific in that garden. God is wanting to bring his church back to a place where they pursue after the life of God. The reality in God. And if you go to the book of Revelation, and I'm not asking you to turn there, but to the church he said, you that overcome, I will give you to be able to eat from the tree of life. God is about life. He wants you and I to have life. And what he was saying is, Nathaniel, you were sitting there under that fig tree. You were reading about Jacob. I can tell you, he was sitting there pondering about Jacob and about this ladder that he saw in the dream there at Bethel, that there's angels ascending and descending. What he was trying to say to him is, listen here, my dear friend, you're sitting under that fig tree, but I am the one who is the ladder that goes from heaven to earth I am the way the truth and the life I am the means for somebody to connect with heaven I am the reconciliation the mediator between God and man I am the connection between earth and heaven I am amen the I am what he was saying is you've been sitting here and you've been pondering and reading And he said, I want you to know something. He said, I am going to show you more than you ever imagined. You know, that's a lot of us. We have some of an understanding. We have a pure heart. I believe that. Because he said, Nathaniel, you are an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Think about it for just a moment. The tree, the fig tree. Jesus, whenever he cursed the fig tree because there was no fruit, he did that because, and it was symbolic of this fact, Israel is a type or is in essence that fig tree that will be a sweet blessing will be something that is fruitful. It represented Israel. And when Jesus didn't see fruit on that, what he was saying is this Israel, where we're at right now, and I'm talking about in Jesus' time, this Israel is an Israel that is fruitless. The only way they're ever going to be fruitful is whenever they come to be born again, they come to understand and have the life of Christ, the life of God, because Jesus 
was the first fruits of a new race. Amen? He was the first fruits. We are all fruit of Adam's fall. But Jesus said only those that come unto him because he died on a cross for us. He gave his life for us. He laid it down, shed his blood, and in that we come to know Christ. We're washed in the blood. We're saved and redeemed, reconciled back to God, and from our life comes fruit. So what he was saying is, Nathaniel, you're sitting under that fruit tree, that fig tree, and it represents there is a fruit that will come from Israel. There's a lot that never accepted him. They rejected him. But what he was saying is, you are an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. What he was saying is, you are a man who is an Israelite who doesn't have any ounce of Jacob in him. If you study and you know about Jacob, you know that he had a heart for God, but he's crooked as a dog's hind leg. They called him supplanter. He's the heel catcher. You know, there's a way to get to God. It's a straight and narrow way. It's not a broad way. It's a straight and narrow way. That means you got to come and you got to go through that gate. You got to go through that, that, that sheepfold gate. There's only one way, and Jesus is the way. And what he was saying is, I see you, Nathaniel. I see you. You're a man who has a pure heart. You're a man who, there's no guile in there. There's, there's really nothing but a heart for God. And God is going to respond, and he did respond by sending me to you to show you that. I know everything about you. You are not just an afterthought, but I saw you sitting under that fig tree. What? How do you know me? How do you know that I'm an Israelite indeed in whom there is no God? How do you know that I have nothing of Jacob in me, but I just have a heart that wants to pursue God? I'm just not going to jump at anything that comes along my way and accept it. How do you know? He said, I saw you under that fig tree. There's nothing insignificant in the word of God. What he was saying is, there's a lot of people here in Israel who will never come after Christ. He didn't say that, but that's what he was meaning. But you, you're sitting under that fig tree and you're pondering all these things. And he said, I want you to know that I saw you prophetically. I saw you. And there has to be something that God does in us that shows us how much he loves us, how important and how valuable we are to him. What he was saying is, let me tell you, Nathaniel, I saw you. You are fearfully you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not just an afterthought but before you were even in your mother's womb or while you were curiously being made I knew you. Amen. I knew you when you were an embryo. Now you know why the devil wants to destroy babies in the womb because he knows there's living souls in there. Not just a clump of cells but a living soul is inside that woman's womb he said I knew you I saw you because we serve a God who is all knowing he knows everything about you amen I sat on that piano and I'm down there and I'm watching everybody get blessed and delivered and ministered to and worshiping and praying through and prayed over 
I wasn't begrudging. I was just sitting there thanking God. I said, Lord, I'm seeing as I'm playing and I'm singing. Sister Stacy came up to me. And she began to speak into me. And she said everything prophetically to me, perfect to the letter. Everything she spoke to me was spot on. I'm here to elevate Christ. Okay, not a person, but I want to tell you, there's something powerful when God uses somebody in a gift to speak and to say, God knows your heart. He knows boom, 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 this and this. Now, some people, I can tell you, I can tell you, we, don't, we should not chase words. We should pursue after God and Christ, and everything we need is in the Word of God. But I simply said this to explain to you this. There's something powerful about when God sends somebody that didn't know anything about your prayer life, didn't know anything about what you've been pondering or what you've been thinking about or what's been weighing on your heart and your mind. And he sends somebody to say, you need to dream again. Oh, I said, God, I said that in my prayer time. Oh, yeah, I need to dream again. God, give me back my dream again. Give me back that desire one more time. Amen. Some of you, the dream that you have is just to love your spouse again. Come on. Come on now. Some of you say, I just, I just, God, you're going to have to give me that love for my spouse again because there was a time when our relationship seemed like a dream come true, but now it's become a dream that has been abandoned or seems utterly impossible. God is saying to you that the very thing that you want to see is greater than you could ever imagine. I will put your marriage back together. I will make that dream come true. My dream is just for the desire and the fire of the Holy Ghost again upon my life. We learn how to preach, but we forget how to pray. We've got to come back to seeking God and knowing whom we have believed. We have to be that message. We can't just preach it. We've got to be it. I've heard preachers preach and I thought, I don't believe it. They don't believe it. Why would I believe it? They don't believe it. But he said, Nathaniel, I saw you sitting underneath that fig tree. I saw you. What? How do you know me? God knows everything about you. Everything. Isn't that awesome? Why am I sharing this with you? Because there are people sitting here today that you feel like God forgot you. Oh, no. Your number's not unlisted with God. Amen. He hasn't deleted you from his Facebook. He loves you. Amen. He ain't unfriended you. <laughs> Praise God. Aren't you thankful today? Aren't you thankful? I love it because these greater things that we will see is this. The revelation of who Jesus is, of who Christ is. That was the whole purpose of him mentioning about that dream that Jacob had when he was at Bethel. 
But think about this for just a second. It took a long time, many years of his hustling and scamming and heel grabbing and catching and being so crooked and deceiving. He deceived and deceived and deceived and deceived. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. He got deceived by Laban. He, He deceived Laban, but he was constantly doing this deceiving, but yet he had a heart of God. He really did truly want God, but you know, a lot of times people want God, but they're going the wrong way. you got to come the right way. You're not going to hustle and connive and jive God. You're going to have to come straight through that door and right through that straight gate. When God tells you this has got to be shed and that's got to be shed and give that up and forgive that person. Push away the alcohol. Refuse the drugs. Amen. You know, people say, I just, I just can't overcome. I'm going to tell you, as you begin to make steps and decisions, and you begin to do things, you show God, I mean business. So when they came down and slammed their phones or, or they put a hammer to their iPad, they said, no more pornography. When you go home and you say, you know what, I want to be delivered of alcoholism, God says, I'll deliver you, but I can't pour out my spirit for you to go home and not pour it out down the drain. He'll pour out his spirit and empower your choice. If you didn't hear anything else I said, he will empower your choice. So you got to get rid of the app off your phone and say, Lord, I'm not going there no more. Amen. You don't realize the things God's saying shed and get rid of. And I will empower your choice. My sister, she was with a man. And I don't know what happened, but, you know, if they ain't serving Jesus, it seems to always go south. Come on. And she, if she's listening, she, I'm not going to tell all her business. I'm just going to tell you this. She said, I went into that bathroom And she said, I threw out everything that belonged to him. I threw out his toothbrush. I threw out his toothpaste. I threw out his razor. I threw out his towels. I threw out everything that that he touched and that was in my house. And she said, I got down and I began to cry out to God. And she said, I got up the next day and I felt like something completely lifted. Here's somebody that hasn't heard her brother really preach this for 23 years. And here she is and she said to me, I just felt so free. I said, Monica, what you don't understand was that was repentance in action. Amen. Because when you really truly repent, you mean business. What's that got to do with Nathaniel? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. Because see, Nathaniel's sitting there underneath that tree. He's seeking for God to minister to his life. He's seeking. He's under that tree and, and, and fig trees would hover over. And you could get under there and just have privacy. Have you ever wanted to just be alone with God and just be in privacy? Well, there wasn't a lot of places that you could go and pray. But he's retiring underneath that fig tree and the leaves are 
were hovering around him. Nobody could see him. And he was sitting there all alone. And he was saying, God, down deep in his heart, oh, my Lord, I wish I knew you. I wish I understood this about this ladder. I wish I knew that. There are people and down deep in your heart. You come week after week and you say, I want that. God is telling you I'm meeting you here today. I'm trying to draw you out of your, uh, from underneath your fig tree. I don't want you to sit and just dream about fruit or think about something that you feel like you'll never ever possess or attain. But I want you to know today that I'm coming into your life and I'm going to give you the answer and the revelation to the depth of your soul that you're crying out for. Oh, I'm not mad. I'm excited. I'm not mad. I'm excited. Hallelujah. Amen. I did have two cups of coffee this morning. You should just be one, but when you turn 50, you have to have a little more, you know, to ignite this thing. I'm so thankful this morning. I wouldn't want to send her no dead preacher. Amen. Amen. I won't send her no dead preacher. My brother and I came out here in 1986. We were with my dad for, I don't know, about 10 days. But we, we stayed here with him, and we hadn't been raised around him. We didn't know anything about a spirit-filled environment. He was pastoring in Artesia, and his church was like drinking from a fire hose. We went in there. We were born and raised Baptist, and, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, lively Baptist. I'm talking about funeral home Baptist. No, don't get mad. That's exactly what it was. There's Baptist. I went out. I thought, my God, I'm, I'm in a Pentecostal arena. Amen. Then there's places that I've been. I thought, goodness gracious, don't wake the dead. We were in my dad's church, and it was alive. We never heard people speak in tongues. We never saw people pray out loud, pray for people. None of that. We come home. We got in the car, and my parents, they took us down to the church, and we sat in that church, and they started in. And my brother looked over to me. He said, this place is dead. Here we are, 13 years of age. 13 and 14. He said, they're dead here. I said, well, I'll just stay here just a little bit. Amen. It just might pop off. Amen. You just never know. It never did. Never did. But we had been touched with something. God touched us. And we never, it never left us. So here's Nathaniel. He's sitting underneath that fig tree. And here comes Philip, who in all honesty was probably not as theologically sound as Nathaniel was. You know, sitting in this church are people that know the word, people that kind of know the word, and people that are brand new in the word. He was an Israelite indeed. Jesus said it. So he knew enough about the Old Testament. But Simon came. I'm sorry, Philip came, and he said, Come see Jesus of Nazareth. How do you know he knew the word, Pastor? Because he knew Jesus wasn't born in Nazareth. He was from Bethlehem. That's Bible. And he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't ever read in the Bible where God said that the Messiah or David's heir was going to come as king out of Nazareth. You know, 
we used to have a little town where I grew up, and my town was little, okay? 1,475 people till I left. And then there was 1,474. Barnhart, Missouri. It was small. I had one grocery store down. When I grew up, a gas station had a little ice cream place and 1,500 used car lots everywhere. <laughs> Buy here, pay here. Your job's your credit. Amen. But I remember there was a little town just kind of about eight miles away. And nobody ever knew where it was. It was called Horine. Horine. And, and you'd tell people, you know, I'm going over to Horine. They go, Horine, where in the world is that? I said, here we live. It'd be like me living here in La Habra and just right over the hill, just right over Idaho, coming down to Gilbert, there was a little town there, and nobody knew it where it was. Nazareth was not a prestigious town. I don't know if, there was, if it was a bad place or if they had a bad reputation or what, or if Nathaniel just knew Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah would not come from Nazareth but Bethlehem. But he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, there's a lot of people that watched and have watched what's happened here at this church. And rather than give God a try or come and see or see personally, already make a judgment call. But you know, if we sit back and we say, well, you know, it's just not happening like I expect it to happen or like it's always happened. There was a lot of things that happened when Jesus came on the scene. For the first time, really, you read about demon-possessed people. You don't read about that until Jesus comes on the scene. The devil always duplicates everything God does. He counterfeits everything. Well, pastor, I'm going to tell you, Jesus came in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. The devil said, well, I'll just start possessing people. Well, they were always possessed. Where do you find it in the Bible? You don't until you come into the New Testament, really. That's when you start beginning to see it. So, but you don't read a lot about a whole lot of healings happening in mass, you know, uh, quantity. You don't see that. But you see Jesus doing all kinds of things. And he disrupted everything in old dead Israel. And I say that with all due respect, but even himself said they're cursed because there's no fruit. But he, he went into the, the synagogue and the temple, uh, the synagogue, and, and they didn't want him to heal a man on the Sabbath day. They didn't like the fact that he said to the man that was let down through the ceiling, take up your bed, your sins be forgiven you. We never heard that before. Only God can forgive sins. People say, he never said he was God. He did without saying it. When they said, you know, only Abraham, we had Abraham for our father. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Moses was, I am. I am the I am. I am he <laughs> that you're talking about. 
When you've seen the Father, you've seen me. There was a lot of things that happened that were unorthodox. There were a lot of things that were out of the norm. There were a lot of things that they had made as rules that Jesus came and he absolutely upended and he abraded that, if you will, or began to dismantle it and show them, you don't even know who God is. But I've come to split this middle aisle and and begin to show you who the life of God really is, what the life of God really is, and the power of God. And they could not refute it. It's like the, the man that was healed of blindness in, in John chapter 9. And, and they went to his family and said, well, we've, we've known he's been a blind man his whole life. We've watched him grow up. He's always been blind. You know, they, somebody said, you know, they found out that Somebody said, Stevie Wonder's not really blind. And I said, come on. If, if he's not blind, and I don't want him to be blind, but, I mean, he, he is the greatest hustler of all time. That man in the Bible was blind his whole life until Jesus opened his blinded eyes. And they drug him everywhere. They got mad at his parents. And they said, all we can tell you is what happened. He got touched by Jesus. He got healed. His eyes are blind. We're blind. Now they're open. And they kept asking, kept asking. They finally said, ask him. They took him all the way to the, the top leader. And he said, I don't know, but all I can tell you is once I was blind, but now I can see. How about you believe and become his disciple also? I say, oh, get him out of here. Get him out of here. See, you cannot refute with facts that are right there before you, with truth. People want to argue and bicker and make all kinds of criticism and judgment calls, and they haven't even been in the room where God was moving. Amen. I had things said to me this week, and I said, you know what? Oh, it bothered me for a second. It bothered me for a second, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to go on with Jesus because we saw people delivered. We saw, saw people set free. Amen. We saw people. Well, you know, uh, we've never seen people throw up in the floor. I said, I've cast out devils for 30 years or for, for 25 years at least. I started in the, in the prison at CRC. We've dealt with it before we ever met Jared Jenkins, before we ever met David Owens, before we ever met these men of God and people. And I said, I've seen devils choke and spit and vomit and do all kinds of things, foam at the mouth. I said, just because it doesn't seem to fit in what you've seen doesn't mean God is not doing it in our midst. They'll say, well, Christians can't be demon-possessed. I agree with you. But somewhere along the line, somebody crossed the line and went out there and got involved in things that they shouldn't have done. And now we're dealing with the choice of rebellion that they made. But God loves them and he'll deliver them. And he did and he will. You cross that bloodline, you go down a dark, dark road. You open yourself up and you say, I'm open, devil. Well, if you've got a covering over you, God covers you. You keep yourself under that blood. <laughs> but you go back out there. If that doesn't 
give us a strong, strong conviction about the fact that eternal security is a lie. Because you can go back and walk over that blood and go right back out into sin and depravity and be bound but you can come to the bleeding side of the cross of Calvary at the foot of the cross and he will set you free. What does that say to you and I? Number one, God will deliver, but keep yourself in the house of God. He said, Moses, put that blood on the doorpost and he said, don't go outside. The death angel's gonna fly and he's gonna see that blood and pass over. That's what Passover means. He's gonna pass over that house. But where he doesn't see the blood, he's gonna go in and he's gonna take that firstborn and he's gonna take his life. Stay in the house. Stay under the blood. People say, well, you know, the blood was, was final. It was one and done. And everybody that comes and believes is under the blood. I'm going to tell you something. It's faith in that blood. We are kept by the power of God through faith. You hear me? We are kept by the power of God through faith. Even years ago, years ago. I opened myself up as a Christian. I'm going to be transparent with you. And I found myself dealing with a, a anxiety, with depression, with a spirit down deep that had I had opened myself up to as oppression, not possession, but oppression. And I cried out to God, and I felt that thing lift, and God remove it. I know that he will deliver. And Christians, Christians open themselves up. They cross that bloodline. They get out of faith, get out from underneath the blood, and then they find themselves bound. But thank God for a church that doesn't look at it and go, I don't understand it. Just operate in the power of God. Look at the fruit. Ain't no strange fire going on here. It's the power of God. And I'm not going to apologize for it. If you don't want to be my friend, you don't have to be my friend. I'm going to tell you, I am going to preach, and we're going to see God move. We're going to see the power of God move. Greater things than we've ever seen are going to be done because we're not just sitting under a fig tree and just reading the Scriptures. We're seeing the Scriptures come alive in our life and in our midst. We're seeing the reality of God. I know where you are. I know where you've been. I know what you're going through. I know what's down deep in your heart and your soul. I know what your desire is. And I've come to tell you, I'm going to tell you exactly what you were reading, Nathaniel. And the ladder that you saw of heaven and earth and the angels ascending and descending. See, a lot of people, I'm getting ready to close. A lot of people, thank you, Lord. I prefer this over the notes. It's easier. Freedom. A lot of people sitting underneath that fig tree. And he's saying, I want to make what's in you become fruitful. So I got to show you the supernatural, first of all. 
The supernatural is I saw you when you didn't even know I saw you. Secondly, I know what you were thinking about. Jesus said, the very thing that you were thinking about, I'm going to reveal to you. That ladder that Jacob saw was me. Nathaniel said it himself. You are the son of God. You are the son of man. You are the king of Israel. He said it because he had a faith that was ripe and ready. There are people sitting in here, you're ripe and ready for God to do something greater. Greater things than you've ever seen, you're going to see. He said, you're going to see heaven open up, buddy. And angels ascending and descending. You're going to see heaven come down to earth. <laughs> Amen. You're going to see the kingdom of heaven come down here to this earth. Isn't that in the Lord's prayer? I didn't write it. Jesus did. Now, I know people have a false misconception or understanding of the kingdom of God. We do not believe in kingdom dominion like the Jehovah's Witness believe or some of the, of the kingdom now people believe. But we do believe that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven has come to this earth because the power of God is in operation People are being healed. People are being delivered. People are being saved. People are being set free. The power of God is in our midst. We know that. You can't excuse it or argue it away. And what he was saying is, heaven is going to be open to you, buddy. And I want to share with you as I close, don't sit under that jun or not juniper, but fig tree and just wait. Wait and just think it's going to, you know, I don't know what's going to happen and, and dwell upon that. But get up and come and see for yourself because there's an open heaven now angels ascending then descending in other words, what he was saying is those angels are going up and coming down as ministering spirit. As a ministering spirit. We pray. We go into a heavenly place whenever we're in prayer. We come into the realm and the presence of God. Or am I the only one that's ever been there? There's a lot of people in here. You've been in the presence of God and you come out and you're just shaking. You're just praising God. You prayed in the spirit. You sought God. You've been in the vestibule of heaven. Amen. 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 And you are ascending up and you come back down. Amen. What God is saying, there's an open heaven. You can begin to go into the glorious place in prayer in the presence of God and He'll speak things to you and show you things and reveal things to you and speak to you about what you're supposed to do for Him. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. He said, you know what? You're a lot more of a theologian than I am. But all I can tell you is I've seen him. I've heard him. I've felt him. I've been around him. You need to come and see. You need to come and see. You need to come and be in the presence of God. Look, we're not the only ones that have it. A lot of churches have it. But I can tell you we do have him. Amen. We do have it. And we need more of him. Are you sitting underneath that fig tree? Saying, God, what about me? He wants to reveal himself to you so powerfully. Show you things about your life. Show you that, you know, you don't have to accept what the enemy has lied to you about that will never change in your life. You don't have to be a homosexual the rest of your life. You don't have to be a lesbian the rest of your life. 
You don't have to be bound by perversion and pornography. You don't have to be bound by jealousy and unforgiveness and bitterness. You don't have to be bound by rejection and hurt. He said the Christ has come and he wants to show you and reveal himself to you. I don't for one second want to move it away from Christ. It's Christ. He's wanting to heal all of these things and these infirmities in our life, spiritual, emotional, soulish, and whatever you want to call them. He wants to heal your life and make you normal Christian spiritual normal an overcomer how do I know what God wants for my life if you stay before him the Bible says that the spirit comes to lead and guide us into all paths of truth there's nothing he will not show you there are people sitting in here that God delivered of so many things and he will continue to deliver and continue to bring us into a, where we live in an existence of deliverance. You understand? We stay at that place because you can't help somebody until you've been helped yourself. Amen. It's like the man at my dad's church is smoking cigarettes. Amen. Pastor Kyle, we need to pray for that guy. We need to pray God deliver him. He said, Elmer, he said, uh, Delmer, I'm sorry. We had an Elmer and a Delmer. He said, Delmer, he said, how in the world are you going to deliver anybody you're not delivered yourself? You're standing with a cigarette flopping out of your mouth and telling them God will deliver you. Well, he ain't done nothing for you. Or he could, but you're not allowing him. Why would I believe you? Let me tell you. I know there's private things that people are involved in that they need deliverance from. But if there's something external... Sit down. But if you have been delivered, God wants to use you as a vessel to see other people delivered. Amen. You don't have to be heartbroken anymore. You know, it blessed me because the brother that was here that just lost his wife of cancer, he said, I was down there on the floor And a brother came up and he said behind me and he prayed over me. And he said, the Lord just spoke through him words that were exactly what I needed. And I said, God knows how to send somebody by your side that's been where you've been. And he knows how to pour into you. Amen. You got father, mother issues where you say, I'm just heartbroken over that. God wants to send somebody that's been, that broke through that. Amen. Amen. You know, there's people sitting in here, their mom, they abandoned them when they were children. But they stand today in Christ Jesus, knowing in whom they are. And they're like, you know what? I'm not broken down anymore. God delivered me and he set me free. And I've got a victory even though my mama may have left me. The Bible says in the scripture, though my mother and my father forsake me, God will never forsake you. Amen. You heard it. Brother Jared said it. He said there was three abortions in my life that I had paid for of girls. And he said, and I felt so, so 
devastated over that. He said, but God showed me those babies in the arms of God. He showed me them in heaven as he went up. God gave them that healing and he can stand today and say, yeah, I may have been a person who saw babies murdered because I performed or had abortions performed, but I want to tell you God will forgive. He will forgive. He will heal. And deliver you, whatever you have went through in your life, whatever you're pursuing of God, God will heal and deliver. And he said, don't sit under that fig tree. Some people are sitting under that fig tree. And God is saying, I want you to be fruitful. Let me show you greater things than you've ever seen. But it will never happen until you come and you see. So this morning, we're going to open this altar. Lupe, I want you to come. Come up here, sis. Come up here. Church, if you would, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Amen. Would you just, would you just come? This, uh, uh, just pray and stay in the attitude of prayer for just a moment here. Amen. He's faithful. He's faithful. Sit down here, sis. Amen. Make yourself comfortable. You just play what God puts on your heart this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God, hallelujah. This morning, you're here in this house. Say, I'm sitting under that fig tree this morning, and I want something greater in God than I've ever had. Don't stay there. 